Welcome back to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest today is uh, Ryan Tomur, who is my colleague at Cubs Insider. He just started there this year, and he's already written a lot of great articles. Um, his uh, Twitter handle is at R-Y-A-N Tomure, T-H-O-M-U-R-E. He's an occupational therapist, and he actually took his um, occupational therapy work and used it in an article about uh, Victor Caratini's broken hand, which I did bring up with him in this interview. Other than that, we just talk a lot about the Cubs, you know, who are playing better, definitely since the start of the season with started so badly, and then we talk about the lay of the uh, NL Central, and a lot of good stuff. Um, Ryan wanted, to, wanted me to make sure to tell you that uh, he's talking about Jose Quintana and he is a free agent after next season, not this season. Uh, so if you hear him talk about giving Jose Quintana a contract, he means after the 2020 season. But it's other than that, it's pretty good, and I think you'll enjoy it. Here's Ryan. Ryan, welcome to Holy Cow, the Cubs podcast. Thanks, Sean. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> yep. All right. So I usually uh, start these off on a simple question. Uh, how do you feel about the Cubs play right now? You liking what you're seeing or still a little worried? Well, you know, when you, when you first asked me to be on this podcast, I think it was like two or three weeks ago. So I'm kind of glad I couldn't do it then because the answer is pretty different. I'm, I'm probably one of the more optimistic people on, on Cubs Twitter generally. Um, but I am, especially after this taking two out of three out of the Dodgers, I'm very much buying into the way they're playing. Um, you know, I, I really, they've been playing so well lately and a lot of that has been built on beating up not so good teams. The Marlins certainly stand out. The Diamondbacks are playing well, but are not as good as they've been playing. Um, so to see them continue playing so well against a team like the Dodgers, even if they couldn't pull off the sweep today, I, I'm thrilled with the way they're playing. It it feels like just about everything is clicking. Rizzo and Brian are both starting to heat up again a little bit, and it doesn't seem to be coming at the expense of anybody else who is doing well, but sometimes it feels like when the Cubs haven't been going well in the past, you know, Contreras and Baez are up and Rizzo and Brian are down and then they switch. And right now it feels like just about everyone is trending up. Um, so yeah, I feel great about the way the Cubs are playing. How do you, how do you feel about the way the Cubs are playing? Yeah, no, you gotta feel pretty good. I mean, and you know, beating the, like you said, beating the Dodgers two out of three is very good. I mean, even today's game, we're uh, recording this Thursday night. You know, they only lost two to one and they had more than a few chances to score some runs. And if you get those then you, you sweep the Dodgers. Yeah. Exactly. Not much to complain about. No. And like, you know, the thing is, if you get men on base, if you get those scoring chances that they had today, you're going to score them a lot of the time. And that's what they've been doing the past two games. And it just, it didn't happen today, but the Dodgers are a really good team. So if you take two out of three of them from them, I think you have to be happy. Yeah, so now let's talk about, of course, I would say, you know, well, obviously Contreras is doing great. I love talking about him, but uh, we got to talk about Baez because yeah. he's just like, you know, there's a lot of talk before this season. Like, last year, you know, he was good, but he's probably going to regress. It's No one can match that again. And this year he looks almost even better 
than he did last than he did last season. I mean, eight home runs already, and like his OPS is through the roof. I mean, what more is there to say about Baez? But he's just awesome. Yeah, man, he's so awesome, and he's so fun to watch. And honestly, like, and maybe this is the first time I'm confessing this to anybody, but I don't think I've been a sufficient believer in Javier Baez at any point. I was. I was into the idea of trading him for who do you remember who was it they were going to trade him for to Atlanta or to, to Arizona? Was it Shelby Miller? Yeah, I believe Shelby Miller. Yes. At the time I was like, okay, I get it. And then after 2016, I was like, his value is high. Let's, let's think about maybe dumping him now. And after 2017, I thought, you know, maybe the same thing. And then after 2018, I certainly didn't, didn't want to deal with him, deal him rather but I didn't necessarily think he'd repeat it. And yeah, I'm wrong again. Like I'm, I'm done doubting Javier Baez. Like I shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. Uh, there's, I can't think of a player that's been this fun to watch in the entire time I've been watching the Cubs, because it's not just his production. Because we've seen players put up production like this, like Sammy Sosa has put up better production than this. Uh, Derek Lee's 2005 was better than what Javi's doing. Chris Bryant's 2016, but no one, no one looks like he does when he does. I, I, it's amazing. He's, he's the most fun player I've ever watched. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like every day, even when it's not like he doesn't help with the bat, he doesn't put with the glove or he doesn't put, you know, running the bases. I mean, if you think about it, even today he had that, that error, which was not great, but he had two hits. So he he always does something. One, what's really gotten me the last two days um, I, I didn't see today's game. I listened on the radio, but the, the two games previous that I saw, the plays that he was making in the hole and shortstop, they were plays that maybe other guys could have gotten to, but just the way he could just have confidence in his arm to throw all the way across and get the runner by plenty. Like he's so good there. Um, I know there's a lot of issues, a lot of talk lately about Javier Baez moving off shortstop, saying it's shortstop. I'm, you know, I'm, I love watching him play shortstop and I want him to stay there, stay, continue playing shortstop for the Cubs until he's no longer playing baseball at all. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. If you don't sign this guy to a long-term deal at this point, I, I don't get it. I mean, he's yeah. so good. why would you not lock him down? Yeah, I'm with you. And like, I'm often a little worried about players with his kind of profile, which is why I've been such a, uh, why I've been over doubting him in the past is I don't necessarily always love guys that, that don't really draw walks that don't have that skill to fall back on that don't necessarily work, work a deep count. Um, cause I think that is a great skill, but also like he's just shown that he's shown clearly he doesn't need that skill. He can be who he is and still succeed. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in favor of locking him up. I don't know what that contract would look like, but I hope they give it to him. So now, obviously you kind of mentioned it, but it's the uh, elephant in the room that I don't want to talk about, but yeah, it's being forced upon us again. And that is Addison Russell is starting his minor league. I don't know what you want to call it. Suspension rehab. Yeah. Start, I don't, whatever you want to call it, but he has uh, played his first game last night and, that's where this whole debate about moving by his off shortstop or giving playing time to Russell. Now today I saw, I did see an interview with Theo Epstein where he did say that there is a, they are considering leaving him in triple a after his suspension is up. Yeah. And so that that's interesting, but this is just, I don't want to talk about it, but we have to talk about it. So 
I mean, obviously you don't move bias off shortstop, but uh, how do we deal with the rest of this stuff? Well, I don't know. I like, I wish I had, was as confident as you are that the answer is that they obviously don't move him off of shortstop. I'm not, um, you know, I, I was thinking about this earlier and of course I'm the one that sort of brought this topic up, but this is a little random and you can just cut it out if it feels like filler. But I was just thinking back to when the whole Michael Vick situation happened 10 years ago or whatever that was. I remember at the time what I was thinking was, you know, gee, I'm glad he's not on my team. I'm glad I don't have to see him. I'm glad I don't have to have like the complicated experience that people who are cheering for the team that Michael Vick is on. Um, but you know, by no faults of their own, they were cheering for the team before he was there. They're cheering for it after. And I was always just thankful to not have to experience that. And now, you know, that, that, that's come around and that's how I feel about this situation. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want this to be a part of my Cubs experience because the Cubs are something that's been a part of my life a lot longer than Addison Russell has. And I just, I don't think he's earned, I don't think he's earned the shot to, to come back here. I appreciate that the Cubs are supporting him. I, I think one of the best things the Cubs could do is say that Addison Russell is, is a part of the Cubs family and we're going to support him and try and make him get better. But because of how horrible what he did is, he, there, there's no spot for him on the major league team. There's no spot for him playing baseball in our organization. We'll support him anyway, but we're you know he can't he can't be up as a part of the team. He's lost that right. And I, I wish that's the way they were approaching it because I do appreciate the desire to be a part of the solution. But you know, being the solution doesn't have to involve him continuing to be a major league baseball player. It just doesn't. How are you feeling about it? Yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things where I kind of uh, compartmentalize it too. Like what he did off the field is horrible. He's a monster. And I don't want him on the team for that reason. Yeah. But, but let's put that aside. Baseball wise, why he doesn't really fit either. I mean, you have bias taking over short playing great. I mean, and like making all the plays at shortstop, you're not going to move him. Mm-hmm. Then at second base, you've got Zobrist, Descalzo, and Bodie, all playing very well. Bodie and Descalzo are hitting great. I mean, where are you going to put Russell? I don't want his like 240 average and 600 OPS playing any any games. Why would you want him there? It just baseball wise, it doesn't make sense either. No, I, man, I, yeah, I'm so with you. Like with the configuration of this team, like who, who, who are you going to sacrifice their playing time to get Addison Russell in there? Who, for all we know, might essentially be like a defensive replacement. I realized the hype that he came into the big leagues with and the fact that he had a pretty successful 2016, but we haven't seen that in a long time. And he has a lot of range, but is, is that one skill worth having on the roster at the expense of playing time some, of someone ex- really exciting like David Bodie? someone who's doing what they need to them to do like Daniel Descalso. I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, and yeah, needless to say, if it comes at the expense of Javier Baez in any way, that's a, that's a non-starter for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's like, it's almost like in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, if he never did any of the off, off the field stuff, they would still have a big decision this year, mm-hmm. whether to keep playing him at all. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like he hasn't been, I, I realize war, you know, war will value his defense. He, he's, he's put up some, some war in the past few years, but 
he hasn't been an irreplaceable player by any means. He's someone that, that they could have considered upgrading from if he didn't do anything wrong, but he did do something wrong. Um, so even, even if he hadn't like at the very, at the very best, he's certainly not the best shortstop on the team. Javier Baez is, and I don't think he's, I don't think he's the second best middle infielder on the team or the third. Like he is way back in that pecking order and him coming back is going to come at the expense of people that are, that are fueling the hot streak the Cubs are on right now. And yeah, I, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, well, let's kind of transfer over to that, to uh, David Bodie, who we can stop talking about Russell. Cause unfortunately I'm sure it'll be back in the news over and over. So yeah, you know, I'm sure. Well, <laughs> so let's get past him. Let's go to Bodie. Yeah. It's been hitting the end defensively is very good. I mean, yes. I don't know if he's got the range of a Russell, but he's a very good defender too. So mm-hmm. I really like David Bodie. I love David Bodie. Um, and you know, I, I was thinking today, like there's a lot of day and, and I, Kyle, I'm going to bring Kyle Schwerber into this. He has been struggling lately. I am a, I'm a Kyle Schwerber guy. I am a Kyle Schwerber believer, but while he's struggling, I, I'm not opposed at all to getting David Bodie a lot of playing time at third and shifting KB into left. Um, if Schorber's not going good at the moment, I think that's a really ideal configuration for the team because Bodie, you know, he's, ne- he's probably never going to recapture that hot start he had when he came up last year. When was that in June um, onwards where he just was sort of tearing the cover off the ball, but he sure seems like he can be a pretty serviceable major league player. Um, and I think that extension made a lot of sense. I, I would, I would love to see more of David Bodie and Hope, hopefully he gets more time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll kind of shift over to the pitching now because, um, but you know, the Cubs left-handed pitching, um, well, basically is almost all their rotation, but specifically, uh, Quintana, mm-hmm. uh, Hamels and Lester, like they have been very impressed. Like Lester was out, but again, today he was impressive. And you know, I really feel good about the left, uh, handed part of the, um, Cubs rotation. Well, yeah, I feel good about the lefties. I feel good about, I mean, I feel good about the righties. I, I, I'm maybe not as optimistic about you Dervish as some other people are, but I, I certainly don't think he's as bad as he has been so far. Um, but yeah, the, the left-handed trio they have going right now is, is really impressive. Um, I've, I've been just writing a ton about Cole Hamels lately because I'm so excited about what he's become since he put on a Cubs uniform. But you know, the most exciting for me is probably Jose Quintana because he's, he's really been that guy that he was on the white Sox so far this season. And the Cubs, they didn't get that last year. They did. They did. They did get that in 2017. Quintana was really good in 2017. Um, but this guy I think is, is a guy we just haven't seen before. And his start against the Dodgers the other night was really impressive. Um, he's, he's looked amazing. And it's made me think like I hadn't really considered that the Cubs were going to bring Jose Quintana back just, sort of based on some of the struggles he had last year. I realized he wasn't bad, but I thought he would command more money than they'd be willing to pay. And now I don't know, like, I don't know what his contract demands are going to be. I don't know if he could actually have a future on this team beyond this year, but I'm, I'm glad he's doing as well as he has, because he really deserves it after consistently taking flack anytime the word Eli Jimenez is mentioned. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the one thing about him as I've noticed is that, you know, he started throwing this change up this year. Which, you know, he'd always been a curveball, fastball, two pitch, two pitch pitcher. Which you'd think, like, as a starter, I always thought, even when he first came, like, he throws two pitches. And I'm like, is that going to work? Like, I mean, 
his third time through the order and stuff. But this year he's throwing that change up and it's like, I don't know if he, how it clicked in for him or whatever, but it's been unbelievable this year. It has. I mean, and, and I don't have these numbers in front of me, but I want to say everybody's the change up usage usage has been up across the staff more or less. Um, so it sounds like it's something Tommy Hadovy is stressing. Um, and I think after, you know, after the start the Cubs got off to, there, there were some, there were some meatball takes about Tommy Hadovy pretty quickly. Um, and just, you know, that he didn't know what he was doing, that he was too young. And ultimately like what we've seen from the Cubs pitching basically since, since the two and two and seven start has been impressive across the board, but the rotation, man, yeah, this is as locked in as the Cubs rotation has been in a long time. And it's impressive. Yeah. So uh, I'll do a little bit, just a quick, like, cause then I'm going to ask you the fun question at the end about, uh, you using your day job to write baseball articles, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought I'll do a little bit about the rest of the NL central. Yeah. We'll check in for everyone. Like when, when the Cubs are off to that two and seven start, the Brewers were just like a house of fire. Mm-hmm. Well, they were winning a lot of one run games. They were, I, I will say that, but they were on a roll and all of a sudden they've just gone off a cliff and the Cardinals have exploded. Yeah. So what do you feel about the lay of the NL central right now? Well, you know, you know what? Uh, I will say the two and seven start didn't make me believe that the Cubs were a bad team, but the Brewers start really did make me believe they were a good, a, they were a good team. Um, I was not a believer of the Brewers going into the year. I picked them to be in, I don't know if I remember, I picked them in third or fourth place. I thought there was going to be some major regression, um, but their start had me thinking, Oh, I was wrong. Uh, you know, they, they're going to be a great team. They're going to play like they played at the end of last season all the way through. And, you know, maybe I was right in the first place that the regression is definitely biting just about everybody except Christian Yelich, who, I think is maybe the only player in baseball who's as fun to watch as Javi. So I hate that he's on the Brewers. Um, but yeah, they, they've got some problems. Um, I came into the year more worried about the Cardinals and I think I, I certainly still feel that way. I think the Cardinals have a lot of talent and I think if, if the Cubs are anything, they're a toss up with the Cardinals for me for division favorites. Um, I think that team is really good. They have a lot of talent. Um, and I think there's a good chance that both the Cubs and the Cardinals will be playing in October this year. I, I don't know who's going to end up on top of the division, but they're, they're both, they're both really impressive. Um, and I do think the Brewers are better than they've been playing lately, but that hot start certainly seems to have been a mirage. Who, who, who are you most worried about right now? Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I'm going to say the Cardinals too, because before the season, the Cardinals look like the biggest threat. Mm-hmm. The Brewers, like their rotation looks so bad. So bad. That you're thinking a rotation this bad cannot cannot sustain like a season. But you're like, maybe it maybe, and then started out so good winning one run games. But no, I've always been more worried about the uh, Cardinals going into this year. And they've done nothing to prove me wrong so far. So Well honestly, I, Yeah, go ahead, Sean. Yeah. Honestly, I think it might come down to which of the two teams acquires the better bullpen help at the trade deadline that's almost like what it feels like mm-hmm. no i'm with you and well let me and so let me ask you this because i mean one, obviously the cubs offseason was interesting and there was a lot of hand-wringing about um them not being more active i, I was certainly wringing my hands too um but 
with the way the offense has worked out so far this year, it almost feels like they had a point uh, that maybe they did need to just build internally. But the Brewers, they did a couple of things. But at this point, it feels like borderline negligence to not be giving Dallas Keuchel whatever he wants. Even if the Brewers aren't as good as their hot start, they are, they're good, and their rotation is going to kill them. It's negligent that they're not upgrading it. Yeah, you know, the fact that Brewers have not signed Keiko or Craig Kimbrough yeah. blows my mind. Because they have this great offense. It's like, I mean, if you give them anything, but it's like they're determined to, like, we're going to go with all these young guy rotation guys, and we're going to lean on Josh Hader. Say what you will about him off the field. I don't like him. No one. Nope. But on the field, he's, a, he's an elite pitcher. Yeah. But you cannot lean on one guy that hard. No, you can't. And, like, I mean, I, I feel like Carlos Marmol is a dirty word to say around Cubs fans now. But there was a long time where Carlos Marmol was just phenomenal. And Hater, I know that they're, not, they're different, but he reminds me of Carlos Marmol in a lot of ways. But ultimately, like, Carlos Marmol got burned out. And that happens with relievers quickly. Um, so assuming that Hader will keep this up forever is probably not a winning formula. You've really got to take advantage of this uh, while he's still as good as he is. And it just feels like they're not. Um, one of the things that Theo Epstein said early on in his tenure with the Cubs was something along the lines of like every opportunity to win is precious. Um, and it just doesn't feel like the Brewers are taking advantage of that in the way they should be because they have a wide open window right now, I think. And they're not, they're not going all in. They're just not. Um, so for whatever deficiencies the Cubs had this offseason, I feel like the Brewers are amplifying that even more so. Yeah, it was almost like when they won that game, um, the Sunday game against the Cubs, Yeah, they had Hayter throw, like, retired seven batters. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, Craig Council, you're managing this game like it's September or like, Round one of game one of the NLDS. Yep. The way you're using them. And it's April like eighth or whatever. This is not gonna work for the whole year. No, and it well, and like we both said that probably all throughout last year, and it did, but it you know, it that doesn't mean it's gonna work this year too. Like the odds are still stacked up against it. Um they can't pl- they can't play a, a playoff game every single game of the year and expect that they're gonna still have what it takes to get it done if they actually get to a playoff game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, I was talking about this a little bit before, but um you, you Victor Caratini got off yeah. to a great start. Yeah. Uh broke broke his hand swinging the bat. Is a handmade bone. Yep. It really sucked. But um, you have a unique area of expertise on this. And our boss at Cubs Insider, Mr. Yep. Altman, uh, tapped you to write an article about it. And I just want to ask you a little bit about the article you wrote. Yeah, no, that was um, that was a fun article to write, actually. Um, so hand injuries are something I've, I have uh, worked in. It's not actually something I work in right now. But one of my... Uh, fieldwork experiences as an occupational therapy student was was actually at the hand therapy clinic where the Cubs go for hand therapy. So, well, of course, they didn't let me treat them as a student. I did get to see sort of the nuts and bolts of what happens when when an athlete is coming in for those kinds of injuries. Um, and I do treat those kinds of injuries, but typically in people that are non-athletes and in their 80s. Um, so to be able to bring that 
knowledge to the table in an article. Yeah. It's probably one of my favorite things I've gotten to write for Cubs insider, um, to be able to kind of bring that unique perspective, um, on Caratini's injury. And it, it got a lot of positive feedback, which was exciting. Um, I can only imagine how much positive feedback it would have gotten if it was about, with all due respect to Victor Caratini, someone besides the backup catcher of the team. Um, so I don't want to say I'm looking forward to more opportunities to, to write about similar content with the Cubs, because that would mean that someone else has had a hand injury, but, uh, you know, I'm certainly, I'm certainly glad to have that skill in my back pocket. It was a fun article to write. Yeah. Uh, so I guess for the people at home, I'll just, if you get a little synopsis of what basically you said in your article about the injury. Yeah. Um, so essentially, so yeah, picture Caratini broke his hand, as you said, um, it, I, I will direct you to the article for the visuals because it is a, it is a hard thing to explain in an audio medium, but essentially the handmate has a little hook sticking out of the end of it on the palm side. Um, it's a really common injury in like baseball and tennis and golf because that hook, which is protruding breaks on the club or the bat or the, the racket. That's the other sport I said. Um, and that's exactly what happened to Caratini. It's what happened to, um, to, I was going to say Mike Stan, Giancarlo, Giancarlo Stan. Um, and it, it happens. It's one of the most common hand injuries in baseball. So essentially the bat just breaks that hook off. Um, so for Caratini and for other athletes, what they do is essentially just, you don't need that hook. So if it breaks, they're just going to basically get rid of it. They're going to get rid of the entire hook instead of trying to heal the bone. Um, because every other bone in that area, which is the, the carpal bones, every other bone is flat. The, the hamate stands out as having that hook, which is totally purposeless. Um, so if an athlete breaks it, they don't have time to. They don't have time for a three month rehab that that actually trying to repair it would take. They're just going to cut it off. It has no purpose. Um, and ultimately, Caratini is going to be recovering more from the surgery than from the uh than from the injury itself because now that his handmates now that the hook of his handmate is gone he just has to essentially gain the strength back that the surgery might have sapped from him more than the injury itself so he'll just be working on grip strength um along with swinging the bat with cubs trainers but with therapy yeah he's just going to be doing everything he can to build that grip strength back up but everything everything i've seen just suggests that this is generally a a great injury to recover from. Giancarlo Stanton had a horrible time with it. It sounds like he had some, some issues with his ulnar nerve, which is right near the hamate. It sounds like that might've gotten involved and made it really hard for him to build his grip strength back up. But that's a, that may be the most prominent case, but it's a one in, you know, one in a hundred, one in a, I won't say one in a million, but it's not common and it's not likely what's going to happen to Caratini everything out there suggests he should be back and at full strength, you know, in just a couple of weeks from now, which is, yeah, I'm, I'm happy because, you know, Victor Caratini, I think deserves to be playing well. Um, he's had a, he had a tough time last year and a lot of people were not happy that he was going to be back on this team as the primary backup catcher he included. Um, so to see him be successful, it's great because he's, you know, he's been in this system for a while. He's mashed a triple a, and it's nice to see. It was nice to see him get the chance to translate that to the big leagues. Yeah, and of course, the other important thing is I hope he comes back because Joe Madden seems like temperamentally unable to play Taylor Davis. Yeah, he's playing compares every game, and it's like you got to give him a day off. 
Well, and, I, and so I, I, like I said, I only caught bits and pieces of today's game, but is Taylor Davis playing? I don't think, is he playing? He hasn't even gotten in that bat, no. <laughs> Man. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, I am a believer in the theory that Wilson Contreras' struggles last year were, were due to fatigue and from being overplayed. So he's, I love the start he's off to. Um, it's so fun to watch Wilson rake. Um, but I'm also the belief that if you play him into the ground, he's going to have a bad second half again because he's human and it's, it's, it's hard to be a catcher. Yeah. I'm really hoping that uh, tomorrow night it's Hendricks um, uh, pitching and I'm thinking, that might be a good time to give Taylor Davis a game, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, and you know what? And also like, I, I realize the Cubs are trying to win baseball games here and it's April and urgency has been stressed this entire year, but I, it would also be nice to see Taylor Davis get an opportunity, right? He's been in this, he's been staring at the camera in Iowa for a long time and has gotten really no, no playing time in meaningful situations to this point. So I'm fine with throwing him a bone. He deserves a start. Uh, it sounds like he's, you know, it, it doesn't sound like he's the best defensive catcher. But stick him in, stick him in the eighth spot and let him play. <laughs> yeah. Although I did hear um, my buddy from the other website I write for Cubs Den, Michael Ernst, told me that he is above average framing in AAA. He oh, just can't good. throw. He okay. cannot throw at all, but he's above average framing. So yeah, so, might as well give him a game. So maybe a, a little bit of late career Miguel Montero. <laughs> Yes, a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, of course, you can always, too, if you want to keep Wilson's bat in there, not to pile on Schwarber more, but you can start him in left field a game or two, too. Yeah, I don't think we've seen that this year yet, have we? I don't think so, no. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I, there was a, once upon a time, I kind of operated them to the assumption that they would eventually shift Wilson to left field. I don't, I don't feel that way anymore. The, the composition of the team is just different than when I thought that. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's good out there. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll go out of here on this question because I like to ask everyone I have on here. Yeah. For my final question. How did you become a Cubs fan? How did I become a Cubs fan? So I, so I've lived in the Chicago area since, um, since like 98, which is when I was 11 years old, I was born in California. Um, and honestly, like baseball sports, like as a spectator was never a part of my family. Um, so even like I growing up in the Bay area, I never liked the giants or the A's or anything. Um, and when I moved to Chicago, the Cubs, I, I didn't really care about them either at first. And then for whatever reason, the, the 2001 Cubs is, are the team that, that grabbed me. I don't, I, I how long have you been a Cubs franchise? I don't know if, I, if, if you have memories of the 2001 Cubs or not. Um, I do. um well with me, it's like, it was a family, you know, you're born and you're a Cubs fan. Yeah. No. And that's, that is definitively not me um, or my family, but I fell in love with the 2001 Cubs and I want to say they won 90 games or so. I know Don Baylor was the manager. They didn't make the playoffs. Um, yeah, they were in it until the final couple of weeks. I, if I remember right. Yeah. But I, that team just, that team to grab me. And then they, they, they sucked the following year. I don't remember exactly. I don't remember a lot about 2002, but I know they sucked. Um, I certainly, you know, my interest waxed and waned with a team that wasn't as good, but then 2003 happened and that, then it was just, then it was over. Um, you know, that 2003 team, I think for a lot of people that are, I'm 31. Um, I, I suspect a lot of people that are within a few years of my age, 2003 might be the team that pulled them in. Um, there's so many fond memories from, 
from that team. Uh, obviously, it didn't end the way we wanted, but I know that that's the team that pulled a lot of us in, um, and that's the team that pulled me in. And it, yeah, it's been that way ever since. <laughs> yeah, the 2001 team that was an interesting team. I'm trying to remember, like, um, it was like Matt Stairs. I know he was a prominent. Was that the Coomer year? Um, was Stairs on 2001? Um, well, yeah, it is the Coomer year. I'm looking it up on Baseball Reference now. Yeah, it is the Coomer year. I mean, that w- this w- and I want to make sure I'm right about this, but this was Sammy Sosa's. Like, it was probably the best year of his career. I know 98 gets the notoriety, but Sammy Sosa wrecked that year. He had what 60? Let's have got it up in front of me. 64 home runs. Yeah, like, he had a great year. That so, I mean, honestly, that's what drew me in. Um, everyone else got pulled in with 98. I got pulled in with, with 2001, just watching him hit those home runs. Just, it, it was just, yeah, it was an, it was an amazing experience just to watch that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember like, and it was like, they traded, that was the year they traded for Fred McGriff. Yep. I remember all the, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was the year they traded for, for Fred McGriff. Um, oh man, Fred McGriff, a name I, I haven't thought of for a while, but yeah, you know what? It, and there's some, isn't there something kind of nostalgic about those those older Cubs teams that that weren't actually all that good that that still that still just has that soft spot on your heart, even though they're nowhere near the teams we've seen the last few years. Yeah, yeah it was the same with me. Like, because I'm I'm like three years older than you, but like the first, I was always a Cubs fan, you know, born into it. But um, the first year that really got me was the '98 when they made mm-hmm. not even the Sosa thing, more that they made the playoffs. Because I never remembered them making the playoffs before. Yeah, but so when was so when was the last year before then? It was eighty nine. Eighty nine, and I was like four years old. No, remember, yeah. no memory of that. Yeah, well, and that's why. I mean, honestly, like for me, the biggest thing with these, with basically since two thousand fifteen, is you know there was a time where I, I didn't know if we were ever going to see something like this as Cubs fans. Um, because we we've had a couple runs like well not, that's not even an accurate statement we had 2007 and 2008 and otherwise they hadn't made the playoffs in consecutive years in I don't know how long um, so to see them do it for four 15 16 17 18 four years in a row like I I was never confident that I was going to see that and I know 2018 didn't end in a great way but ultimately like it was a Cubs team that won. 90 games for the fourth year in a row. And I, I never thought I would see that. So I, I've, I've just been thankful for this run since it started and you know, it, it has to end eventually. And for a while it looks like, uh, is it going to be this year? But you know, the way they've been playing lately, it, it doesn't look that way. And I'm glad. Yeah. And you know, I think in 2007 and eight, the last time they'd made it two consecutive years before that, I think it was like 1910. Or yeah, 1909, yeah. I was going to say, was it was the one they won back to back to back World Series, maybe. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that two thousand that two thousand eight Cubs team, man. I will, I will go to my grave thinking that was the best team in the National League by a mile, and they just got cold at the wrong time. I love that team. I think they were so good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Got cold slash. Uh, Manny Ramirez got a new shipment from the pharmacist and it was over yeah you're not wrong and it, it, I, god we're getting into the weeds but that um that those playoffs started out i remember with a, like a mark Derosa two or three run home run in the first inning and it looks like well here we go this is it this is the year it's just gonna be 
this is how it's going to be. We're going to steamroll through this. And it was all downhill from there. <laughs> Luckily we got 2016 and it was just so easy. They breezed right through and yeah, no, I no, no struggles there. Cer- certainly not in the world series, <laughs> but in a way it had to be that way. They were never going to win easy. They had to be down three Oh or three one and storm back. It was the only way they were ever going to win. Yeah, you know what? If if you if you told me that beforehand, maybe that's that's probably the route I would have chosen. Um, but if you told me they're definitely going to win, but at the time, oof, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, on that upbeat note, that the Cubs did in fact win the World Series. People forget that. <laughs> yes, uh, it's a good good place to end end this. As yeah, always, you can um, get both of our work on CubsInsider.com. But a lot of fun stuff on there. Yep, you should check absolutely. it out. And um, I'll ask what's your Twitter handle for all the people who want to follow you. Uh, well, so my name is Ryan Tomier. My Twitter handle is at Ryan Tomier. I'll assume you know how to spell Ryan, but Tomier is T-H-O-N-U-R-E. Yep. And I, have, as always, am STH85, if anyone out there wants to follow me. And again, thank you for coming on, Ryan. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having me, Sean. We should do it again. I just want to make a quick pitch, too, that uh, if you don't uh, read Cubs Insider, Ryan and I are both on there, so uh, CubsInsider.com. Also, uh, CubsDen.com. Is, we've got a lot of stuff there. Um, of course, you can email the podcast at HolyCowPod at gmail.com. HolyCowPod at gmail.com. You can also send me messages on Twitter at STH85, you know, it's another way to get through to me. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, because I'd love that. And if you do subscribe, uh, please rate and review, so I know you actually like the show. A lot of episodes coming up. Season's going now, so I'm going to try to do these as uh, many as people will come on. So, uh, But I'm going to keep pumping these out and um, until the next episode. Thank you for listening.